Well, thank you again to all of those who have helped to put our worship service together for Don V. Meyer, who was our liturgist, for our Faith Ringers for that beautiful piece of music, for our Wesley Choir and praise team who offer our music leadership, and for Gary Brubaker, who puts all the things together for us. Thank you. Also for all of those who have helped in our in-person worship service as um, liturgists, as ushers, as greeters, thank you. And if there's a way that you're looking to serve, um, either on video or in person, we'd love to have you. So if you have any, um, any questions or any ways that you'd like to volunteer, you can just contact us here either at, this at our church page here or you can contact the church office. Now, we are in the second week of our four-week series on disruptions, looking at the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah is actually fairly short. It's just four chapters, and most chapters have about 10 or 11 verses. Um, so we are looking through this whole book and all of the different ways that we could that it can be and has been interpreted. But especially, how does it speak to... Um, how does it speak to our lives today? And I think that this story of Jonah is full of disruptions. And so how does it teach us still how to respond to the disruptions in our life? So as we dive into chapter two, that wasn't intended to be like a pun or anything, but as we dive into chapter two, would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, well, let's just recap from chapter one. So far in the story, Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh uh, to preach good news, to preach um, about God and God's grace. Um, and Jonah didn't want to, so Jonah went in the far opposite direction and then was thrown overboard by the boat crew in the middle of a storm and then was swallowed by a fish. Yeah, swallowed by a fish. So at this point in the story, some of you may be going, yeah, swallowed by a what? What's going on here? Now, there are some who say that what Jonah was swallowed by was a whale. I mean, that's logically the only thing that could be big enough to swallow a human, right? Now, there are other translations still that say it was a great fish, which is more vague and not as specific. And there are still other translations that translate it to be a sea monster. So what was it? Now, over the years, many people have done research. Is it even possible for a fish to swallow a human being? And it turns out that there are some rare cases where it's happened. And sometimes it's been whales. And sometimes, I guess, there's even a shark that this is possible for. So is it possible? Seems like it could be. But early church fathers disagreed on whether this was possible or not. Origen, who was living in 185 to 254, didn't believe that it was an actual fish, but that this story or this part of the story was more of an allegory, that it was not literal, but more figurative. But then Augustine, who was living in about 354 to 430, did believe that it was an, a literal fish. So, whether you believe in a fish swallowing Jonah literally or not, 
you're in good company in our Christian faith because we have several different ways of interpreting the story. And whether you believe in a fish literally swallowing Jonah or not, the story still remains and it still has something to teach us. Now, ultimately, it was God who provided Jonah a way out. Now, the word in Hebrew is manna, which means provided or sent or appointed. In chapter 1, verse 17, God provided manna, a fish. Now, this word is used uh, four times throughout this book, one time here, and then the rest of the times come in chapter 4, as God provides for Jonah in the midst of his prayers there. Now, it's a different kind of prayer that Jonah prays in chapter 4, but God still provides or manna. And in this chapter 2, or the end of chapter 1 into chapter 2, God provides a fish in which Jonah affirms God both as creator and trusts in God's saving powers. Now, in the belly of the fish, Jonah is facing death. He says in his prayer, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. He says later, the waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. This is a desperate moment for Jonah. He feels as though he's lost everything and he was facing death. As he was being hurled over the ship, he expected to die in the water. And he feels as though he has lost everything except God, because God has provided. He hasn't lost God. Now, he was in this belly for three days and for three nights. And again, is it meant to be a literal three days and three nights or a figurative? You can look at it both ways. Essentially, it's meant to symbolize a period of time. Now, perhaps it is a nod to death uh, because people were considered really dead after three days. But Jonah wasn't dead. Um, Now, Jesus used the book of Jonah and talked about the sign of Jonah throughout his ministry as well. In fact, he used um, the sign of Jonah to talk about his own death and resurrection. And also, when Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah, he's also talking about the fullness of the story, about Jonah um, and the belly of the fish, three days and three nights, but also as the story continues and in the conversion of the Ninevites. I know that might be a spoiler for some people, but it's this fullness of the story. So there's actually almost two miracles, the miracle of Jonah and Jonah's Jonah being saved, but then also the miracle of the Ninevites being saved as well. And in, in doing so, Jesus is also talking about the way that God's grace is available to all people. And reminding us, just as God reminded Jonah, that our God is a God of second chances. Now, in chapter 2, it's just 10 verses. And it's this beautiful poem, this beautiful prayer. 
there are there are powerful images throughout this. I mean, you heard already as Don read them, but the ways that that even Jonah talked about facing his death. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Like you can visualize this. You can feel it. And within this prayer, there is deep emotion. I mean, Jonah was facing death and has felt alive again. I think this poem tells, it tells the story of Jonah's heart, how he was resigned to death and how God saved him, how God's grace is lavished on him, how God has given him a second chance. In the midst of his desperation, Jonah cries out in prayer. Anne Lamont, who is an author and a speaker, she says this of prayer. She said, prayer is communication from the heart which surpasses understanding. Prayer is talking to something or anything with which we seek union, even if we are bitter or insane. Sometimes when we're at the end of our rope, it's where we find just the beginning of God. How God saves us how God's grace is lavished on us, how God gives us second chances and third and fourth and 10th and 2,593rd. Our God is a God of second chances. And the trust that Jonah puts in God he says, you have brought up my life from the pit. You have brought my life up from the pit. And Jonah gives thanks and praise. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. It's a trust and thanksgiving for this incredible grace of God that has saved him. Again, spoiler, it's going to be interesting as the story progresses how Jonah feels about that grace and God for other people. But for himself, thanks be to God, you have brought my life up from the pit. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Now, this disruption... The first disruption that Jonah felt was this call from God and then being tossed or hurled overboard. Now, disruptions, they take many forms. Sometimes they are our own doing. We do things that we know that we shouldn't be doing. We maybe take shortcuts or we avoid things. So perhaps sometimes disruptions are maybe even our own fault. And sometimes there's there's no one to blame, even though we may try. Sometimes there's just no one who really is to blame. And sometimes they just these disruptions just feel random. Like, where did that come from? And other times they feel calculated and pointed like, oh, this was meant just for me. And the truth is, it's not if a disruption will happen in our life, but when and how we will respond. Um, a few years ago, I had spoken with a woman who had been told for years that she was unable to have children. 
And um, more than a decade after coming to terms with that, she was told that she was pregnant. And it was a miracle. And she and her husband were obviously overjoyed. As her pregnancy continued, they were told that their baby boy would have several, several medical conditions that would make his life difficult. And so they continued to celebrate the birth of this baby and, um, and make plans for the treatments that he would need most immediately following his birth and for the rest of his life. And then she went in for what she thought was a routine checkup. And the doctor told her they could no longer find a heartbeat for the baby. She delivered her son and held him for a short time, knowing that she would never be able to hold him again. It was about a year after this that she came to talk with me to process her grief and to talk about her faith. And she said that her heart still hurt every morning when she woke up and he wasn't there. And then she said, I am so grateful for those few months and hours we had together. The miracle was a gift from God and nothing will take that away from me. After I wake up and I grieve my broken heart, I give thanks to God for all that God has given me even today. I miss my son deeply and I'm so glad that God gave him to me. Now, her faith is one that I think many of us hope that we would have. And for some of us, it's a hope that we wish we could have that kind of faith. Holding on to her faith didn't take away her pain. I miss my son deeply and I grieve him every morning. And I'm so glad God gave him to me. Holding on to her faith didn't take away her pain, but it gave her something else to hold on to as well. Jonah didn't drown. Being in the belly of the fish, it probably wasn't the most pleasant of experiences, whether literally or figuratively. Being places where it's lonely and hard, maybe a grief every morning. That's not necessarily where any of us want to be. And God is with us even in the depth of those places. The Lord has delivered. Glennon Doyle, who is an author and a speaker, she talks about life as brutal. Life is brutal, but it's also beautiful, she says. Brutal, I call it. Life's brutal and beautiful are woven together so tightly that they can't be separated. Reject the brutal, reject the beauty. So now I embrace both. I live well and hard and real, beautiful and brutal, brutal. 
Don't be afraid. God is there. In chapter one, God hurled the storm at the boat that Jonah was on. The crew hurled Jonah off of the boat and into the depths of the sea and the belly of the fish. And then the fish hurled Jonah onto the path to Nineveh. And the story continues. Now, when you encounter disruptions, it's not if we encounter, it's when. When you encounter disruptions, stop. Don't avoid them and don't run away. And pray. Listen to what God is reminding you. You are my beloved child. Hold on to God's amazing grace. Trust that God is a God of second and third and fourth and 2,593 chances. Let the power and the mystery of God remind you that you are a miracle of God. And trust that God is with you always. The Lord has delivered. Thanks be to God. Amen.